Hello, welcome to Eyes for Ears, your ophthalmology OCAP Supporter View podcast. We're your host, Ben Young. And Andrew Powell. Just a reminder that these podcasts are meant for medical education purposes only, not to diagnose that thing on your eye. We're ophthalmology trainees who figured that reviewing for clinic, OCAPs, and the boards is better when you don't have to do it alone. Each week, we'll take a topic and talk about the why and the how. This week, we're continuing our foray into clinical optics concepts and talking about astigmatism and, to some extent, power crosses. So before we talk about power crosses, let's just talk about astigmatism, both with the rule and against the rule, because that's an easy way of illustrating things. And there's also a big point of confusion when we're talking about the refractive state of an eyeball and then your glasses, which are used to correct that refractive state because the two will be fundamentally opposite from each other by a design. Your refractive state of the eye needs to be corrected by something completely the opposite of it in your glasses. And that is hard to tease apart, but very prone to trip people up on test questions. So going back to with the rule astigmatism again, let's talk about footballs. And, you know, it took me a while to catch on to the world of the NFL, but let's just consider this football's got two pointy ends, right? Along those pointy ends, whichever, the pointy ends, uh, those, the curvature of the football along that axis is relatively flat. It's the other axis, 90 degrees away from that, where the football has more curvature is what we consider steep. So with the rule astigmatism, you always think about this in younger people, younger people a little more with it maybe. Um, They have pretty taut eyelids, and those eyelids are often said to be the cause of the with the rule astigmatism. They are pressing down on the cornea right over which they lie. So you've got your top cornea is actually a little steeper because it's been pressed in on by those eyelids and you're same for your bottom cornea, but your cornea at the 180 degree meridian is relatively more flat. So a with the rule astigmatic eye is like a football with its pointy ends pointing horizontally. Am I right so far, Ben? Yeah, just to clarify, for international audience, we're talking about a true-blooded American football. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, yeah, soccer balls are just a little too spherical for this. Now, when we're talking about steep, then, the meridian where the steepness is in an eye with, with the rule astigmatism, the steep meridian will be vertical. So that is because so this horizontal football the curvature the parts where the, that ball is curved more are in its 90 degree vertical meridian so ben if we want some astigmatic glasses to correct that let's talk about everything in plus cylinder for now you've got this cylinder it's also got a meridian where the cylinder curve actually is, which is where the power is acting. And in the other axis, it's just sort of the length of the cylinder, right? Yeah. If you've got with the rule astigmatism, where should you orient that positive cylinder to negate how the cornea is steeper in its vertical meridian? So yeah, at 90. So the idea being that if you have a sideways foot American football, you have to put a American football perpendicular to that so that you start to approximate a true international FIFA football. Yeah. 
So, if I say then that I've got a prescription that is plus 2, plus 1, at 90, is that going to correct my with the rule astigmatism? Plus 2, plus 1, at 90. Right. Where is that positive cylinder's power actually acting at? Is it 90 or 180? It's at 180. Yeah. So the axis where the cylinder orientation is, is in the 90 degree meridian. That's where the whole length of the cylinder is. But the curvy part of the cylinder where it's actually exerting its power is actually, you know, one side is at the 180, one side is at the zero. So it's in that horizontal meridian where the power is acting. Let's take against the rule astigmatism now. You've gotten older, your eyelids are floppier, and for whatever reason, that means it's the opposite of with the rule astigmatism. Your cornea is now steeper in the horizontal axis. Ben, with against the rule astigmatism, what cylinder orientation for a positive cylinder would we need to correct against the rule so, um, astigmatism? So because now the football's upright as you get older, you need to put a football perpendicular to that or at 180 to cancel it out. Yeah. So you've got your cylinder acting in that axis. Okay. So now that we've gotten those fundamentals about stuff down, let's talk about power crosses. We don't, some people really like to answer a bunch of questions, optics questions, by creating power crosses wherever they can and actually drawing it out. But really, as long as all you need, really all you need is to remember where these cylinder powers are actually acting at. As an editor's note, the next part is going to talk a little bit about prisms as applied to bifocals. It's really just an example. We promise we'll talk more about prisms and the things you need to do for those kinds of optics questions involving them soon. But for right now, this is just an example involving the use of prisms kind of to illustrate how you can use these concepts of with and against the rule astigmatism as well as power crosses to helping you on a test question. So let's consider again a prism problem where you've got somebody with a bifocal set up someone with a set of bifocals and their left eye has like um you know and usually these prism problems are going to try to trip you up as far as how the prism is shaped in bifocals so they usually say your left eye is like a plus two your right eye is like a minus two and then you have to understand oh the prisms are going to change a bit but another variation of that is if they it's not just that the left eye is plus two and the right eye is minus two now the left eye is got with the role astigmatism and the right eye has against the role astigmatism. One of those is going to contribute its extra cylinder power in the vertical meridian that you're looking downwards in, right? And you'd need to account for that before you apply your Prentice formula to find whatever prism diopter strength you might be looking for. Ben, which one between with the role astigmatism correction or against the role astigmatism correction would involve itself with a bifocal problem like that? Uh, against the rule, pretty right. sure. So Is let's that? break that down. I think so. Against the rule, it's where your cornea is shaped like a vertical football. So your correcting lens is going to have a cylinder 
with an axis at 180, but it's power acting at the 90 degree meridian, right? Yeah. Yes. Which, at the 90 degree meridian. Correct. And if that's the case, now you've got an eye that to, to look down through its reading ad, it is looking downwards along that vertical meridian. So let's say that the script for that lens, that against the rule lens, is uh, plus three, plus four. What is the actual power when you're looking downwards in that bifocal? Is it plus three or is it plus seven? It's plus seven. Yeah, plus three, plus four. Because you're acting in that, you're really considering that meridian. Now let's say the prescription is, we'll use the same numbers for power in cylinder, we'll just change the axis. Now let's say the prescription is plus three, plus four, at 90. Now you've got a script like that. Now you look down in your vertical meridian to look through the reading ad. Is that power plus three or is it plus seven? Plus three, I think. Right, because yeah. that additional cylinder power is not acting at all in that vertical meridian. That prescription was written plus three, plus four at 90. So the actual power is actually acting at 180, which has no influence on your eye as it looks downwards which is not in the meridian of its power. And that's how you make a power cross. We just <laughs> made a power cross. We did it. So Ben's right. We did just use these concepts of like with and against the rule astigmatism to illustrate a power cross, essentially. All a power cross really is, is another way of looking at a prescription, like plus three, plus four at 90, and turning that into a literal cross. Really, the notation isn't the important thing as long as you understand the concepts of in which meridians are the powers actually acting. And it's helpful to remember the curves sometimes, like which side or which meridian has which curvature. The stronger powers will have more curvature, and that's where things will be steep at. What's another way that you can use power crosses? Ben? Um, another way, like, I don't know, like, another way can do, another way power crosses can be useful is when you're doing retinoscopy. Um, like, if you conceptualize what you're doing as a power cross, you can make it easier to think what you're doing. But that's, that's not that useful. No, that's, uh, that's, that's, a, that's the only way I actually ever remember what I'm doing when I'm trying retinoscopy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I, Pulling a retinoscopy can be kind of complicated because you don't have to have any idea what a power cross is to be able to do it. So we're talking about retinoscopy later. Don't worry. Oh, cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, you know, there's another breed of questions that relates to this too about cylinder orientation, and I hate these because I'm honestly not sure I quite understand one version of them still, and that's why I wanted to ask you about it, Ben. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> These are those questions, you know, where it's like they give you this astigmatic prescription and then if all they were asking about was like the circle of least confusion, you could be like, great, spherical equivalent, bam, I'm there. But sometimes instead they're like, you shine light through this astigmatic prescription and then you see a line of light at one distance and then at another distance, a line of light that's oriented in a different like axis. 
And then you have to figure out usually the question is doing something obnoxious like asking you what strength of lens at that line that's oriented one way versus what strength of lens oriented for the line oriented in the other direction at that other distance. And some other versions of these questions are like you see instead of a line, you see this oval of light. And which direction is the oval? Is it going to be a vertical oval, a horizontal oval? You know these questions I'm talking about? I, I 100% know what you're talking about. Um. I was always confused about, like, you know, when we're talking about the lines. All right. Where is that line? Is it in the direction of the actual cylinder power? Or is it in the direction of the cylinder's axis at which it's exerting no power? Um and then I ultimately just told myself at first, okay, I'll just remember it because that line is wherever the axis is. And then later I was like, actually, that makes sense because if a cylinder, let's say, that's oriented horizontally so its power is acting vertically, let's imagine that at every point along that vertical meridian, that cylinder is doing its job. It's bringing light into a focus in the vertical meridian but then you move a little left or a little right along that horizontally oriented cylinder, and it's doing the same thing there too. It's like bending the light into a sharp focus all along the line that that cylinder has been oriented in. So you've almost got like focus points of light in a line. So the pa- the meridian where the cylinder's power is acting at is doing its job at creating that line but the line will be directed along that cylinder's orientation it's its axis along which it exerts no power does that make sense yeah i mean if, if you if you imagine a crystal log while he's talking about this and shine a yeah. light through your crystal log then it'll make you know i think it makes Tons yeah, of sense. It's, it's like it's squeezing all these light into focus points that yes. all happen to be right next to each other. Yes. And so the line it makes is just along the meridian at which the cylinder has no power. It just happens to be that way. Yes. But then when we talk about ovals, I get kind of confused. All right. So I'm going to give you a example problem to illustrate my confusion with this. Um, let's say that there's a lens that you have and its prescription is plus six, plus four at 180. Now light shines through this lens and on a screen about 14, for, for example, centimeters away, it's the light shining through that lens is going to have some kind of apparently oval shape on the screen. Can you tell at 14 centimeters, whether that oval is going to look like a vertical oval or a horizontal oval. Well, the, you have to take into account the 14 centimeters, um, hmm. plus six, plus four at 180. Yeah, you have to take into account the 14 centimeters. It depends on like how much the light is diverging at that point. Uh, so if the distance was closer to the actual focal point, maybe that squeezed in part would be a line instead of an oval right um sort of i mean it's like it has to do with the coin the conoid of storm or whatever that is so basically it it depends if it's before or after this this point of spherical equivalence um you you know like the conoid storm is like a uh, party hat that's smooshed a little right 
It's like a party hat smooshed in one direction. But then after it hits the point, which is the point of spherical equivalence, it rotates. There's like a vertical oval, a circle, and then a horizontal oval. So at the circle of least confusion, it's like a it's like a circular oval. But then it depends if you're so it depends if you're before or after because it turns from like a vertical oval, then it hits that and it spreads into I gotcha. a okay. horizontal oval. Yeah. So the whole thing about lines and ovals they're not completely opposite to each other. It's just you have to always remember this conoid of Sturm then to conceptualize it properly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The problem is that you have like um, an actual lens that, you know, sphero cylindrical lens. So there's like power in both directions. So there, there's at one distance, there's going to be a vertical line. At one distance, is going to be a horizontal line. And in between, you have ovals of varying you know, verticalness or ovalness. So if you just had a cylindrical lens and that's it, then at some point it becomes a line. And then after that point becomes a line, it disperses into like, you know, like a, like a rectangle that gets blurrier and blurrier. Yeah, it depicts a line and then that line blurs out, blurs out until it becomes a circle. That's that circle of least confusion. And then it kind of becomes tighter and tighter in the other direction until it becomes that focal point line in that other direction okay. yeah so that's what i was missing conceptually before lines and ovals i was like why do they seem like they're doing different things yeah but i hadn't been thinking of the interval of sturm at which yeah. a line eventually becomes an oval and then becomes a sphere and then becomes an oval again and then becomes a line oriented in the other dimension yeah the trick is there's two lines that's why it's more complicated yeah right but each of those lines Right, but each of those lines represents uh, cylinder power in a different axis, right? Yeah. Okay, then. So I think we actually did pretty well as far as covering the concepts behind things like astigmatism, power crosses, and even how they can all be applied through other concepts like the interval of Sturm. We can't go into equations and breaking down specific problems, but we can talk about concepts that have always confounded me. This is like, I can only speak for myself, but have always tripped me up getting through these problems, right? Yeah. And that's Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. One. No, I mean, like, these are obviously, like, high-yield things. And this is, like, they're not just going to ask you, like, yo, this is U and this is V. What's P? They're not going to do that. So. Oh, thank, I wish they would. <laughs> I know, too. Me, too. Me, too. Me, too. Okay. Thanks for making it to the end of this one with us, everybody. If you liked what you heard, you can always follow us on Twitter at Eyes4Ears with the number four. That's also our website, Eyes4Ears.com with the number four also. And we have a bunch of other stuff, our Facebook, our Instagram things um but i'd say ben runs a mean twitter account and that's where most of the action is the website also has a full listing of all of our episodes including the buddy call subseries and we're going to keep working on the beyond the scope guest speaker episodes as well for now just a couple more weeks till boards everybody we'll see you as we keep slugging through things take care bye bye